Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, September the 15th. It is a little grey and overcast here in TW11 this morning. News broke yesterday, courtesy of a, a message left with a number of us by William Haggis, the trainer of Baid, that the best horse in Europe, some would say the best horse in the world, would not go to the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Instead, he would, as had been originally intended, have his final racecourse appearance in the Kipco British Champion Stakes at Ascot on October the 15th. Uh, William Haggis is with me now. William, I guess I'm fascinated by your your collective thought process over the last, I guess, two weeks, three weeks, and whether or not anything has really been on the table apart from the, the champion stakes or, or whether it was just flirtation. Uh, not at all. Uh, good morning, Nick. Um, yeah, uh, look, after the Jubmont, um you know, it was clear that he put up an improved effort uh, over a distance of ground. And, you know, uh, my immediate discussion with Shaker Hiss was, I'd like, Shaker Hiss said, I'd like to keep all op- options open, including the Arc de Triomphe. And then, well, about a, 10 days later, she really said, you know, I, I, re- I really fancy the Arc de Triomphe. I'm getting a lot of advice, as we've all had, and some very eloquent emails I've had and letters saying we should do this and that, and 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 people making very good cases for both scenarios. Stick at what you know, and uh, step into the unknown. Um, so it, it's not been uh, straightforward, but we had a conversation yesterday because obviously, if we have to, if we're going to be training him for the arc, he needs a fast bit of work and a proper fast bit of work. But if he's not going for the arc, he doesn't need it yet. And that was really when we had to make a decision. And I felt that we'd, uh, faffed is the wrong word, but we, you know, it was still very open. And I think a, a, a cleaner, quicker decision is better for everyone. And Shaker uh, Hissa and I discussed it at length. And then she obviously spoke to Angus and Richard. And uh, the conclusion was, I think we all agreed in the end that the champion was the right move. But you seem to be bearing the brunt of the of, of responsibility and sort of saying, oh, it was my call. I really wanted to go to the champion stakes. Is that is that fair in the I end? I didn't mean it. To, I didn't mean it to sound like that. It was always Shaker Hiss's call. She owns him, mm. and we're just lucky enough to have him. But um, I. Uh, said the few words that I said and I was very keen to go for the champion I have been all along I didn't see um, uh, you know obviously we had quite a lot to gain if we were to win the arc uh, uh, financially and in every respect but the champion stakes for me is the right race and now they've brought the rule in especially uh, that the if heavy ground is in the in the um, going description, they'll move it or they'll have the option to move it onto the jumps track. Well, I don't know whether you looked at the jumps track during uh, the King George meeting and Royal Ascot, for that matter, and it was golden. So that's going to need and take a lot of rain. So I, I think that's a, another option. Although I have to say, I don't think he'll be too bad on soft ground. He seemed to beat Palace Pier on it and he was very impressive, albeit only in a Group 3 on soft ground at Goodwood last year. So um, I'm not too worried about that. OK, so I mean, so it's just worth going back on that a little bit, because obviously the, the, the query with the arc, when you said so initially, was that you wouldn't want to run him over a mile and a half on soft ground, or you wouldn't want to go to Longchamp on, on very deep ground. Was that more of a question of, of the ground 
over that trip stretching his stamina to, to breaking point rather than the fact that he wouldn't actually act on the surface per se. Well, that's absolutely right, Nick. I mean, the, the, the ground is uh, obviously a factor, but, but um, the trip is a factor. The ground is soft in the arc. It becomes a race for the stayers. And, and that's what can beat him because, you know, he's not a guarantee stayer. He's got brilliance and he's got the ability to travel well. But a soft ground arc makes that difficult. And, you know, we, we got stung a couple of years ago in the arc when we got drawn 18 and, and had to ride Sea of Class cold, which we'd all decided to do. And she finished and, and maybe should have won. And uh, that irks me a bit, but it was, there was no doubt that the draw beat her and favoured the favourite and Abel, uh, who was drawn low, I think drawn six. And the, the, the ground was extraordinary, and I walked it, and the fresh strip was, was virgin and beautiful. And uh, outside that, where they'd raced previously, uh, was not plough, but it was unattractive. It was not ground that you'd want to race on, so... You know, I, I don't want that sort of scenario for him either. And if you supplement and then you get drawn 16 and then what do you do? And, you know, it's, there are too many questions. And, you know, a lot of people have, have talked about, uh, you know, how gutless we are for doing it. I don't think we're gutless at all. We've got a marvellous horse and I'd love him to have his last race in front of uh, the British public on Kipco Champions Day. Ah, so is there, so is there a patriotic element to it then? Uh, but from uh, my point of view, very much so. Yeah, this is uh, you know I'm an English trainer. This is uh, our big day uh, in England after Royal Ascot, and uh, and uh, I want to support it as best I can. Um, mischief makers might suggest, oh. He, he knows he can win the Trainers' Championship if he wins this. Anything to say to that? <laughs> yes, obviously. Well, I've, I've, I rang Charlie straight after St. Ledger, and I said, I'm very, I've contacted Rafe Beckett and said, I'm, I'll pay for his appeal. <laughs> um, so we're having a lot of banter. But uh, look, it, 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 what will be will be, Nick. I'm, uh, obviously, we're very close having a good chance so we've got to give it everything but i have to say and uh, no one will believe me that was not part of the decision making process i was up for the program that he's taken in so far i've been up for since the start of the season when nobody not even us thought we had any hope of being champion trainer so we're just sticking to what we always wanted to do you are allowed to be a human being you are allowed to want to be champion trainer as well it's kind of a normal competitive instinct yeah, I'm competitive, Nick. Don't worry. Yeah. About um, you've just led me on to, to to my next question, really, which was you said this was going to be a minute. I know, but it is it's kind of it, it is kind of an interest. It, it is interesting subject matter, even though you're bored with talking about it. It's it, it's the at the very beginning of the year we might have done one of these, and in, you didn't go all out, but you kind of went well. If we start with the with the the Lockinge and then we run in the Queen Anne and then the Sussex, the obvious thing to do is to then step him up to the Judmont and then finish on Champions Day. To what extent then, actually, in the last few days, have you just thought, do you know what, sod it, that's what I wanted to do in March. Why have I why have I been even thinking about changing my mind ever since? If you know, at least because, it, because yeah. after after York, you have to look at the options, and 
you know we we always felt all of us felt that there was a chance he could be better at a mile and a quarter yeah. but the program really doesn't suit that so if we'd won the lock engine and decided to go for the prince of wales what do you do then because the eclipse is a little bit too close to ascot i think and then there's a big long gap to the jobmont so the mile program fits like a glove Lockinge, Queen Anne, Sussex, three weeks, Judmont, and then possibly Irish champion and champion. That's, you know, Shaker has said, I only want him to run once more. I guess if I'd owned him, I may well have looked at the Irish champion and then the champion because there's a two-month gap between yeah. the two. And, and, you, and you said, when we did the last interview, you said the reason I w- would want to do that is because of last year and the Moulin and you felt the gap was too long between the races. So are you training him differently because of that? Is that why you need to get this piece of serious work? He had a problem after, after he won the group three at Goodwood and which is why he was too fresh in the Moulin. Mm. So hopefully if we have a, 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 a smooth passage between now and champions day, he'll be fine. It's just, if they have a niggle or a setback and then you get behind, yeah, that's when you, you have to squeeze a bit. Okay, uh, and the most important thing of all is how's the horse doing? He's fine. The most important thing is is my wife, and she's doing fine too. Thanks, Nick. She's doing great, and so is the horse. So uh, we're in good shape from that point of view. We've got a few pe- few horses um, showing signs of having had enough, and uh, we've had a bad spate of injuries recently, which is always disappointing and uh, upsetting, but um, that's the way it is, and uh, Baye's in great form. And those lucky enough to go to the Sir Henry Cecil Open weekend, which is still taking place this weekend, will be able to see Baye's. Now, the the Gallops William Open at eight, don't they? You're you're planning to to go with him toward the end of that public gallop? Yeah, I I think so. We haven't had everything set in stone yet, but um, I think uh, uh, there'll be about 20 horses. Can- it's not a gallop, it's a canter. And I hope uh, that some of Her Majesty's will be going up first and then um, some of the other trainers with their top prospects and then by it'll come towards the end. And then um, we'll be all done by, uh, I think, about quarter to nine so everyone can go and uh, the- all the stables open at nine o'clock. Perfect. Um, it sounds a, a lovely way of uh, of continuing National Racehorse Week to honour Her Late Majesty uh, William. Thank you very much for your uh, for your update, and um, looking forward to, to seeing you soon. My pleasure, Nick. Thanks, William Haggis. There, uh, and if there's anything I forgot to ask him, I, I apologise. But what you what you got was probably Lee Mottishead senior ride from the Racing Post. A pretty fair indication as to how he has been feeling over the last two or three weeks and how those thought processes have have um, taken shape. Yes, I think that's right, Nick. And I think William was extremely eloquent. There seemed to be real sincerity behind what he was saying. Um, and I have great respect for his views and his position. I'm not happy with the the final verdict and a lot of racing fans won't be but ultimately they have to decide what they believe is best for the horse. The the thing that struck me most was the extent to which it appears he has been scarred by that defeat of Sea of Class at the hands of an able. 
I mean, the, the, the way he described the conditions that Sea of Class was racing on compared to Enabled was full of um, impact and feeling. And it does seem to me that he was scarred by that race. And I wonder how that will impact his, his views on running horses in the arc in the future. Um, and I think it was also interesting to hear what he said about the changes to procedures in recent years at Ascot on Champions Day, whereby they can run the round course races on the hurdles track. In terms of the decision itself, though, um, Nick, I think it did come as a surprise yesterday, because although William had made clear all along that he wanted to have Bayid finish his career in the champion stakes and that position was reinforced at York by both William and by Shaker Hissa. The following day, William raised the ARC and the Irish champion stakes as options. And it was good to him do that because it was good to hear them being open-minded to different ideas. But then there were those two statements more recently. One, there was the message that was brought around the press and members of the media to say that there was now a strong chance that had the ground been right, Bayid would run in the arc. And more recently, he was quoted by the US journalist Ron Flatter saying, we've said quite openly that if the ground is decent, we'll go for the arc. If the ground is soft, we'll consider scratching him and going for the champion stakes. That was on August the 28th. The need to make a decision has concentrated their thinking and has led them to go back to their original decision. I do think it's regrettable. I think the main thing is it just feels like a shame. I referenced in my Racing Post comment piece today, Tony Morris's uh, 1995 front page Racing Post article headlines, Sad, Mad, Bad, in response to the decision taken by Peter Saville and Lady Harris to run Celtic Swing in the Prix de Jockey Club, not the Derby. Now, that decision was ultimately, I think, proved right because the horse won the Prix de Jockey Club and in all probability, he would not have beaten Lamtara in the Derby. However, on in this occasion, you've got those three barometers, sad, mad and bad. Well, I don't think it's mad because it's clearly not mad. The, the champion stakes um, is an eminently attractive option for Bayid. He'll be the long odds on favourite in the race. He'll probably win it. It's certainly not mad. Is it bad? Bad? Well, I think it's overall, I think it's bad for the sport because we should want the best horses to run in the best races. And there is no doubt that the arc towers above the champion stakes in terms of prestige. And that is no way being derogatory to the champion stake. Potentially, you could argue it's bad for the horse in the sense that had he won the arc, he would to an extent have been set apart from Frankel, whose path he's followed. Is it sad? I think it is sad, primarily because that, that previously made point that the Arc is the greatest race we have on the flat in Europe. It's the most prestigious turf race in the world. But having said that, I greatly respect um, William Haggis's point of view. I understand why they've done what they've done. I, say, I don't think it's a mad decision at all. It's just one that I think is a shame because I think whatever happens in the champion stakes, even if Bayou goes and wins by four or five lengths, a lot of us, me included, will just be left thinking, what if? It, on the plus side, Lee, it isn't, isn't it possible that the champion stakes ends up being a better race than the arc? Obviously with Bayid in the race, yes, but also with Vadeni 
arguably the season's best three-year-old, depending on how unlucky you think he was in the Irish Champion Stakes the other day. Baid conceding the weight for age to a a horse of great talent, a classic winner, uh, over a, a distance which should suit both of them at one of the world's great race courses on a day that British racing seeks to make a great end-of-season championship in its own right. Uh, should we not be celebrating that and not be getting hidebound by the idea that that the arc is is the greatest race just because it is? The arc is the greatest race. Um, and just because it is, Nick, I think the arc is the greatest race. If around Cheltenham, Cheltenham Festival time next season, there the, would... The, the, the authorities in Ireland staged a new valuable one million euro three mile steeplechase and two or three of the main contenders went that way instead. It wouldn't negate the fact that the Gold Cup is still the race. I think the arc is the most important race in that European season. You make a good point about the quality of this year's champion stakes and for all that Vidani was beaten um, at Leopardstown, he does still look um, a fearsome force. I wonder though whether some of those horses that we thought were going to go to Ascot might now end up going to Longshot. The big question mark is around Adayar, who of course was extremely impressive on his belated reappearance at Doncaster. Charlie Appleby, a bit like William Haggis, has made clear that his preference is to go to Ascot, not Longchamp. But you see now on lots of comparison sites, Adayar's arc price is getting shorter and shorter. That would it, it, that is understandable because the art now must look more interesting. In terms of that point of should we celebrate that Bayid is finishing his career in Britain and that whole patriotic argument that, that William expresses. And again, I have great respect for it. Um, we should want British horse racing to produce the best days it possibly can. I would say that if you go to Longchamp, on Arc Day, there would probably be as number as many committed, devoted horse racing fans from Britain at Longshore. Yeah, I agree. As you get it, I agree. But Lee, but, but Lee, here's here's the thing: the Champion Stakes was was inaugurated in 1877. Uh, okay, its its status has been enhanced since moving to Ascot in 2010. Uh, the the Arc's only been running since 1920. It's a relative new kid on the block in terms of in terms of history and prestige. And let's look at the recent winners of both races. So the champion stakes, you've had Magical, Cracksman twice, the best son of Frankel, Almanzor, European champion, uh, Far, wonderful horse, Frankel, Cyrus de Zegler, one of the most popular geldings. Of course, he couldn't run in the arc because the arc don't allow no. don't allow geldings. And the arc's had some some right old moderate winners in uh, in recent years. Yeah, it has. Um, but in most recent years, the arc has still been the race that's been named the world's greatest horse race based on the, the ratings of the horses that have finished past the post. I just think, Nick, it is a bigger race. It's a more important race. It's a more prestigious race. It means more to me as a racing fan. It means immeasurably more to me as a racing fan than the champion stakes. And I say that is not to be derogatory about the champion stakes. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great race. And I think Champions Day is a great day. I think this actually will shine a spotlight on Champions Day too, and an important spotlight in a sense, Nick, because although Champions Day um, is a day that um, has become uh, more and more um, more important as a, as a fixture, um, and it's a day that really has worked in terms of pulling people into Ascot, if you judge it in terms of 
TV ratings, in terms of the number of people who tune into ITV to watch, it is not a big day at all. Um, in recent years, it's consistently got fewer viewers than Future Champions Day seven days before it. And the jump Saturdays that follow have got many more viewers than Champions Day. So as a TV event, Champions Day does not stand apart from the other Saturdays around it, both on the flat and over jumps. Now, hopefully, Bayid might have the sort of impact that Frankel had in the first two years. Well, one horse who did conclude his career in inglorious fashion in the Prix de Triomphe was Golden Horn back in 2015 under that inspired ride from Frankie Dutori. And yesterday, I visited Overbury Stud to see their new inhabitant, having been bought by Dash Grange Studs, Jane McGiven, and the transfer from, from Dallam Hall to, to Overbury, where he will cover a mixture of flat and national hunt mares. At uh, Overbury yesterday, I also caught up with Richard Phillips, who was the man who masterminded National Racehorse Week, and we are in the middle of National Racehorse Week now. I wanted to just chat to him a little bit about this year's event and put it to him that it had rather a different feel to it this time. Absolutely, Nick. I mean, obviously, the saddest news you could hear, but the whole country's in mourning. But as you know, and many, many millions of people know, that uh, Her Majesty's greatest passion was the thoroughbred. So uh, a very sad week, but in an a way, an irony that uh, she should pass away so close to National Racehorse Week and hopefully National Racehorse Week will happen every year and every year we'll remember the wonderful contribution the thoroughbred made to Her Majesty's life. And, and how have you found this week in, in, in your yard and, and where you've been exploring and being out about? Well, we, after much discussion, uh, had our open day for National Racehorse Week on Sunday and uh, as the racing took place that day, we thought it appropriate. We had 300 people coming. We had a minute silence. We even had a service of Thanksgiving for the racehorse. And we sang the national anthem. And I think everyone present was thinking of Her Majesty, uh, but knowing that she would have wished us to carry on loving the racehorse, loving the thoroughbred, and being in the countryside, celebrating what is the most wonderful beast. 300, that is a, that is a hell of a number. It was, really. I mean, we had many of our owners coming as well. So I wanted my owners to be amongst the... Uh, the visitors just to explain to them what the you know basically an owner is a man with the general public as a showing a racehorse and uh, it was a really special occasion we're so lucky we had Yogi Breisner uh, coming along to um, coach horses jumping and doing some flat work some dressage and such and also we had a demonstration of um, a retrained racehorse uh, through Heroes uh, I'm a trustee of that great charity so we saw a whole thing during the morning and Sybil Roscoe, uh, the great broadcaster, came along and spoke to many professionals who work along with us, like physiotherapists and dentists, etc. So the, so the visitors knew exactly the love and care that we put into training the racehorse. Richard Phillips there. And as I said at the beginning of the programme with William Haggis, National Racehorse Week uh, will culminate uh, with the Sir Henry Cecil Open Weekend at Newmarket, where you will be able to see a tribute to Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II and be able to see Baid uh, up the gallops on Warren Hill. Lee, you've got an update on the jockey, Chester Williams. He's also a, a big part of the training operation run by his mother, Jane, down in Devon. He had a, a fall and he was in intensive care last night. There is no new news. His condition remains. Um, he is stable and comfortable um, in hospital uh, in Plymouth. As you say, he had a schooling fall at 9am on Tuesday. Um, as a result of that, he was taken by... Um, by helicopter to uh, hospital where he remains in intensive care. Um, he's a young man 
who has done extremely well as a jockey. Uh, next month, he is due to become a joint license holder with his mother, Jane Williams, at their Culverhill Farm racing stables. Um, and we send him all our best wishes. He's got no, he's got no broken bones, um, but doctors are obviously monitoring him at the moment, and we hope for good news soon. All right, Lee, it's the uh, Racehorse Owners Association annual general meeting today. Uh, it takes place at noon. If, you, if you're listening to this, you won't have much time to, to log on. But if you do want to, uh, email agm at roa.co.uk and they will send you an, an access code. There's been a little bit of disquiet about why this is being taking place online and not, uh, and not in, in, an in-person event. Uh, and I um, have been promised an interview with the Chairman and Chief Executive tomorrow, Charlie Parker, and uh, President and Chief Executive Charlie Parker and Charlie Liverton uh, on tomorrow's podcast. So you will be able to hear the answer why then. Yeah, and it, and it will be interesting to hear that answer, um, Nick. At, at face value, it seems to me to be regrettable that at such an important time for the sport of horse racing and at such an important time for racehorse owners and at a time when the organisation that represents those owners has been criticised by a number of people on a number of fronts, it seems to me regrettable that uh, members aren't allowed to have face-to-face uh, -face interaction with board members uh, and ROA leaders at the AGM. It always used to be uh, an in-person event, and it seems a shame it's not again today. There are important resolutions that will be decided upon today, not least in terms of uh, the key individuals within the ROA, people like Charlie Parker and Charlie Liverton. Um, and it would be, I would have thought, preferable for those to be taking place in person. Um, but that's not the case, and it will be very interesting to hear what you're told tomorrow, Nick. Now, Lee, on a related theme, I'm pleased to say that the Racing Manager, which bills itself the definitive online platform for managing and enjoying racehorse ownership, bringing all members of the racing community together, essentially a concierge service, a one-stop shop for racehorse ownership news, is shortly going to add this podcast to its offering, and its offering is going to expand uh, beyond the confines simply of the UK, but to the United States, where it is going to be run by Mary Motion, who's been talking to me a little bit about this exciting new development. Yeah, so the Racing Manager is coming up to its fifth anniversary. The goal has been to provide a communication platform for owners and trainers to communicate and provide content for their owners that is relevant to their horses. Uh, we currently have 250 ownership groups, about 135 trainers between England, Ireland, France, and obviously now we have just launched in the US. So when I log on, if I'm an owner, what, what do I see? What do I get in front of me? Yeah, so basically you're just getting a, a lot of content that we draw um, from a variety of sources for each uh, horse and owner. And the objective is to keep owners informed and entertained. So do trainers then subscribe to you so that you can upload, say, videos of horses working and horses at home and entries and, and so forth? Are you, are you taking work off trainers and, and making sure that owners get a better, a better experience? 
Yeah, exactly. So in general, this is saving trainers and managers a lot of time. It's very easy to upload photos and videos via the app or our website. Um, and then we also generate automated uh, updates as well. This can be global breeding alerts for your horse, um, collateral form alerts, auction alerts for goths and tattersalls. Um, you'll get equibase workouts. You know, you get a variety of content coming through. You also get um, entries with race cards, race results with replays, equibase charts. So it's everything that a trainer or a syndicate manager would naturally be sending out to their owners anyways. So it's just saving a lot of time on their side. And it's a one-stop shop. It's It's all in one place for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the great thing about this is that you can have, you know, different groups. Um, if you, you know you're a large uh, syndicate and you have different groups, you have a pin hooking group or a racing group or a breeding group. You can have um, different groups under there, and you can allocate people to different horses. So it's all, you know, it's all very well organized for not only horses but the users itself. Uh, um, Mary, just tell me a little bit about the the feedback you've had from from clients in the US so far. Is it is it something that's gone down well? Yeah, it's gone down really well. Ever since we had the uh, press release go out a couple of weeks ago, we've had a lot of people show interest. We have been working on this uh, for the last year, bringing it to the US. You know, this uh, this product is very much client built, so we take everyone's feedback into consideration and. Obviously, this has been working really well in Europe, but we want this to also be, you know, an accommodating product for America as well. And so far, we have been able to accomplish that and look to grow that even further. Mary Motion launching the Racing Manager in the United States. Lee Mottishead is still with me and he has some advice for you for today. Well, I'll try, Nick. Um, there are horses that you want to win for financial reasons and for more uh more reasons connected to the heart. And I think any 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 horse trained by John Berry, um, I'm always uh, keen for, for that latter reason as well to see T do well. And Deerham um, is a horse who's already won twice this season, including at Pontefract. We all love a long distance handicap at Pontefract and evidently so does Deerham. He's back for another one today in the 437. The search for the Yorkshire Wonder Horse handicap. Could that Yorkshire Wonder Horse today Dearham. I hope so. I'm tipping him in the 4.37 at Ponte Carlo. Lee, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, September the 15th. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. Bye-bye.